Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Pop Culture Rewind. I am your host Travis and on this episode it's all about DC as I review the DC Universe streaming app as well as give my thoughts on the annual crossover event from the DC CW TV shows. So I finally broke down and purchased a year's subscription to the DC Universe streaming app and I wanted to just break it down with my thoughts on it, uh, some of the content that it has along with the original programming, and even if it's worth the price. But first, uh, before it gets too far away in the distant past, uh, let's go ahead and talk about that annual crossover event between all of the uh, DC shows on over on the CW, which uh, in this case it was called Elseworlds. I know this is already old news as it aired before Thanksgiving, but I thought there was some stuff to digest from it. I did a review of the previous year's crossover when it aired back in 2017, so I figured, well, let's why not keep why not keep it going. So for this year's event, it only crossed over between Flash, Supergirl, and Arrow, leaving out the Legends of Tomorrow cast and show, which is fine really. I'm touch and go with all these shows, so I'll follow them for a while until I get so irritated with the cast and tropes that I have to go away and stop watching it. With Legends of Tomorrow, I noticed they've gotten really super self-aware, kind of like Deadpool, and have just like a ton of like meta jokes and stuff like that. Uh, it's almost like a satire at this point, where there's making self-aware jokes and just fourth wall breaking, things like that. It's just, it's okay. Uh, so again, uh, I'm glad that they left that one out of the crossover this time. By the way, the name Elseworlds is actually based on the series of some uh, one-off comics that would feature well-known characters in different settings or situations. For example, there's one Elseworlds comic where Batman is a vampire, or there's another one where Superman lands uh, over in Russia in a Russian farm and is raised by the Soviet Union instead of landing in Kansas, things like that. Uh, they're usually really, really fun reads, um, so if you're a casual comic book reader or if you're just interested in kind of like what-if type scenarios, uh, they're really fun. So anyways, uh, the cool thing about this year's event uh, was the hype leading into it. It started at one of the big comic cons last year. I think it was New York Comic Con. I could be wrong on that. But that's where they announced the name and showed the poster and the fact that it will feature the CW debut of Gotham and uh, Batwoman? Why Batwoman? Hmm. I'm guessing since it's CW, they just realized that there's a Bat character who's gay and a woman. And that is two of their main demographics for that channel. So there you go. Uh, plus, they've been hinting at using Batman for a while anyways. So if you can't get Batman, might as well get a substitute. But anyways, I'll get to uh, Batwoman here in a little bit. Okay, so on all of the shows leading up to the crossover, they did a really cool prologue-type tease for it by opening up with some kind of uh, battle scene, panning across to see a bunch of dead heroes lying on the ground. Some I recognized. Uh, there was like Green Arrow. You saw Hawkman's helmet uh, and a bunch of other bodies everywhere. Uh, but it stops on The Flash, who is played by John Wesley Shipp in his old 90s Flash TV show, Glory. Oh, by the way, uh, it did say that this was on another world, in this case, Earth-90. And by the costumes I could see, including Shipp's Flash costume, I wonder if the 90 is for the time frame. Like, these are all heroes from the 90s or, or something like that. I don't know. Different universe, so no one cares, right? Okay. So, uh, anyways, we see Flash crawling over to... Uh, a character called the Monitor, who's debuting now, um, who has this really big book in his hand, uh, and he says, you failed. He asks Monitor why he's doing all this. Monitor says, uh, you did it to yourselves, and now you all must die. He opens up the book. The Flash runs away with a nice, uh, cool little homage to the way it was shot back in the 90s TV show. Like, it was, he, he was running, and it kind of, like, did a weird uh, facing-the-camera type thing where he's, it... Closed up on the uh, the flash symbol, so 
So yeah, it was a nice setup for the event, um, as it was a very comic book-esque type of scene. Almost like a low-rent version of how the MCU would do some of their post-credit scenes to set up the next film. Or hell, even the opening scene of Infinity War. Uh, but again, very, very low, low-rent version of the MCU. Yeah, yeah, don't get me wrong. I don't want you people going around telling people that old Travis here was comparing the CW shows to the to Infinity War. I mean, come on, you do that. We, can, we can't be friends anymore if you do that. Okay, so anyway, uh, that gets us to part one of the event, uh, which takes place in Flash. Not that it really matters since everybody's in it anyways. But uh, it starts out uh, by playing the exact same scene we got four previous times leading up to the show. Uh, yeah, that scene I just talked about, they played that on all of the shows the week before this event started. So this is like the fifth time I'm seeing this, the same scene here. So from there we meet college professor John Deegan, who's played by Jeremy Davies, who will forever be Dr. Faraday from Lost for me. Uh, he's lecturing a class about how everyone is lame and no one can be Superman. This is 2018, so everybody gets all offended and walks out. Apparently, this is all it takes to impress the monitor, who stops by to give him the big old book and tells him to be a god and reshape the world in his image. Think big, he says. I want you to remember that. Think big. Cut to red skies over Central City, and now we're in Flash's apartment, but uh, instead of Grant Gustin as Flash, we have Stephen Amell playing Barry Allen. Uh, he freaks out a little, uh, not as much as you would think if you woke up in someone else's body in their bed eating breakfast with their wife. But, uh, you know, he quickly uh, learns how to adjust and use Flash's power, suits up, and gets the hell out of there to stop a crime in progress. Uh, by the way, it, am I the only one who's annoyed by Flash's suit this season? Have y'all been watching? Like, this... I mean, I love the fact that they actually introduced the Flash ring, but it just looks weird. It's in the cowl they made. The forehead looks really big, or it's got a low brow or something. It just... And it doesn't have a chin strap anymore. It, it took me a while to notice the chin strap. Hopefully, it'll get yet another redo next year. What was I saying? Uh, Oliver Flash uh, stops a crime and then has Team Flash do some tests on him because he knows this ain't right. Everything checks out okay. Uh, cut over to Star City. Barry's now Oliver, sparring with his buddy uh, Diggle. Same thing as before. Uh, he has to suit up his arrow and stop a crime, so they do that. And Oliver shows up to take Barry so they can try to figure out what's going on. Barry tries to figure it out and says, What a total freaky Friday. No, wait, we didn't switch bodies. It's more of a quantum leap. Where's a mirror? And then they go back to Team Flash, but nobody believes them. Okay, you know what? I'll take this time to point out they, that they are clearly using this event to be very meta with, with several lines and jokes throughout the three parts. Barry doing the salmon letter exercises. Someone uses someone else's catchphrase, and someone else will say, That's not your line. Stop, you know, that, that type of stuff. So it's it's been yeah pretty uh, obvious this in this episode. Okay, so anyway, uh, Team Flash thinks they're both crazy, so they get thrown in one of the cells that they use for their uh, the villains in each episode. Um, Barry gets the idea that other Earths may not have been affected by what's happening to them, so they escape and head out to the Earth that Supergirl's on. In this case, Earth thirty eight. Get it? Like nineteen thirty eight when Superman debuted. Okay, so this was a really cool spot. Uh, probably one of my favorite spots in the whole thing. Um, as soon as they jump into the portal to Earth-38, they queue up the old theme song from Smallville as we see the Kent farm, as well as Clark working on a truck, and we get the, uh, the CW debut of Lois Lane to the old Arrowverse. It took me a hot minute to figure it out, but they actually uh, replicated the actual Kent farm from the Smallville TV show. Uh, the design of it, the lighting and everything was very reminiscent of how they filmed it uh, back on the show. So, very cool moment. If, I'm sure you can, like, maybe YouTube or something if you just want to catch that one little scene there. So, Barry and Oliver pop up and explain what's going on. They train for a little bit with a fun little callback to the very first crossover in the first season of Flash when he, uh, when he shoots Oliver with an arrow. Cisco pops in and tells them that they need to come back to help fight a robot. Superman and Supergirl come along with them. Uh, we get the intro of Amazo, and if you're a fan of the old cartoons or read the comics, then you know what to expect. For those who don't, it's basically an android that can duplicate powers of nearby uh, superheroes. So we get a pretty cool fight sequence with Amazo versus Superman, Supergirl, Arrow, and Flash. Obviously, Amazo gets their powers, but of course, they all end up fighting a way to defeat it. Afterwards, Sisko uses his powers uh, and sees Monitor. 
and Oliver draws a picture of what he saw, which showed a Wayne Industries building in the background as he says they're going to Gotham. And from there, we get a pretty cool intro painting shot, a la the old uh, Burton films and the animated series, as we see a glimpse of, well, it's supposed to be Batwoman, but they're, they did it very that old, uh, old style, like I said, with the Burton films in the series. Anyway, uh, that leads us to part two, which takes place on Arrow. Starting off, they had a little fun with the intro. If you ever watched any of the CW shows, you know they begin each episode with the main character explaining, like narrating, like uh, explaining who they are and what they do. So for this episode of Arrow, they had Grant Gustin do the little narration of who Oliver Queen is. But, you know, it's a little something, but I got a little chuckle out of it. Okay, so it starts off in Star City as Diggle and some other uh, agents are taking down some dude who I would probably know if I've been consistently watching the show. Uh, he's dressed like Deathstroke, so it probably has something to do with that. I don't know. It doesn't matter. Arrow, Flash, and Supergirl show up to stop him. Uh, we now have a scene similar to the last episode where they try to explain everything to Arrow's team. Uh, and this time they actually believe him, sort of. We get a little running gag from the last episode where someone says this is like Freaky Friday or Quantum Leap, to which Barry says, no, if this is Quantum Leap, we would look like this in the mirror. And when he says that, then they really believed him that it wasn't if something's not right. So anyway, uh, they start to figure out the, the little red skies that's in the lightning may actually have something to do with all this. So from there, they, they come up with a plan. Uh, so it'll have be Flash, Arrow, and Supergirl. They're going to go to Gotham, try to track down um, Wayne. They're going to go to Wayne Industries and, and either find something, Batman, Bruce Wayne, whatever. They don't know yet. They actually even talk about him. They say that Batman's an urban legend. Uh, they say something like, well, you don't think that Batman's real? He's an urban legend concocted by the police department. Which I thought that was kind of interesting that they have a whole theology, I guess, on who this Batman person is that they've heard about him, but it's like an urban myth. You know, so that's kind of cool. Okay, so cut to Gotham City, and they come up with a plan, and hey, they just happen to have ended up on a building that has the bat signal on it. How about that? Uh, we get another panning shot like last time and see Batwoman stand on, on top of a building. Again, appreciate the homage, but man, that music that they used was a little off-putting. I know they can't or won't use Batman, but why not the iconic music? Uh, is it just too uh, sacred for uh, WB to use? Maybe it is, now that I come thinking about it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. The music's too good for these shows. Yeah. Okay, so they're on their way to find someone, but get mugged by a gang, and the cops show up as they're starting to take them out. Since Oliver is a known uh, vigilante, the cops freak out and have them all arrested. They get bailed out by Kate Kane, who's played by Ruby Rose, who's in charge of the Wayne Building for reasons. It's also established that Bruce Wayne left Gotham three years ago. Which uh, makes it an easy out of not using them, right? So anyway, Supergirl even suggests that she knows something with the line uh, kind of convenient that both Bruce and Batman disappeared at the same time. Kate and Supergirl later talk and it's revealed that she is Bruce's cousin. Isn't that convenient? Uh, they find out who John Deegan is and discover that he, he's over at Arkham Asylum. Here we go. So they head out as we see uh, Kate doing a dramatic walk through a cave and we see her looking at the Batwoman costume. Oh, by the way, this whole time, uh, the Arrow and Flash teams, they're doing their usual scientific stuff that they usually do and make a device. And this device uh, actually lets the 90s Flash pop up just long enough to say that they need the uh, the plot device, or, or book in this case. Uh, so that's that's they now know they need, they need the book. Okay, so the teams, uh, they meet up with the heroes. They all meet up at Arkham. They sneak in as we see some cell doors with the names Cobblepot, Nigma, Isley, and for an inside joke, Guggenheim, who is the executive producer of all the shows. You know what? I would have put Berlanti uh, personally, but uh, instead of him, but yeah, whatever. Okay, so they find Deegan, who opens up all the cells, uh, lets all the little convicts out. Uh, so everyone suits up and, and everybody starts fighting. We see one inmate pop up on screen and says the inmates are running the asylum and puts on a gold mask. It actually took me a second to recognize it, but that was Psycho Pirate, a, a little D-list villain who I only know from the Crisis on Infinite, Infinite Earths comic. Uh, so I don't know if that could mean something. I guess we'll find out. 
we see a woman looking around in a room for a cold air unit, but uh, interesting prop in the uh, the forefront of the of the scene here is the Bane mask. From specifically, it actually looks uh, like Nolan's Dark Knight Rises Bane, which I thought was weird, but okay. So uh, anyway, uh, Caitlin comes in and changes into Killer Frost, and then we cut to another scene of inmates running outside. Uh, they get into a van, and this is where we see Batwoman show up to take out a few of them. Supergirl finds Deegan, gets the book from Deegan, and the chick that Killer Frost was fighting was apparently Nora Freeze um, as she gets Mr. Freeze's gun and shoots her with it. So, there you go. Uh, Flash and Arrow show up to take her out, but end up uh, breaking open a bunch of Scarecrow's fear gas in the, in the air. So that makes Flash see Reverse Flash, and Arrow see Merlin, uh, which uh, are actually themselves as they are starting beating each other up. As we get a couple cool panning shots th- that show us who they think they're fighting. Uh, I don't know, I thought that was kind of neat, the way they filmed it. Anyway, so th- they're fighting, the Batwoman shows up and knocks them both down and explains that they've been exposed to the gas. And that somehow heals them? I don't know, after that they're fine, so I, I don't know. Okay, so they leave Arkham with the book, and they're just trying to figure out how it all makes sense. Quite frankly, so am I. I'm, I'm starting to get lost in the story here. Okay, so Supergirl tells Batwoman she knows who she is, uh, thanks to the little x-ray vision there, and said that they'd make a good team. World's finest, she says. thought that was kind of cute. Uh, 90s Flash pops up again and explains that the Monitor is using the Book of Destiny, as they call it now, across the multiverse to test different Earths for a crisis. I remember that word, crisis. Okay. The Monitor thinks the Elseworlds created by the book approximates the collision of realities they're facing now. Uh, as he says that, the Monitor arrives. A crisis is coming. Someone far more powerful than him, than him and he's trying to find the champions uh, that he can use to save the multiverse. He takes the book back and gives it back to Deegan for some strange, stupid reason. Think bigger, he says. He opens the book, we see a flash of light, and now Barry and Oliver are dressed like some bank robbers. <sighs> Cops show up, and they run away and get stopped by a black costume Superman. Okay, there's a lot to unpack in this episode, and I'll get back to that later. For now, this leads us to the final chapter in Supergirl. We get the same rewrite of the intro, which explains that now Deegan is Superman. Okay, so they escape from Superman. Uh, we get to Star Labs, and we see that Star is now Superman's HQ, and he has Diggle, Killer Frost, and now Supergirl's sister as agents for him. Uh, Monitor has a talk with Barry and Oliver about how they're being tested. Barry says they need to find Cisco, who they assume is a villain now because he knows the rules, apparently. Uh, they find Cisco in a bar as a crime boss, Mr. Ramon. His number two guy, number two is Jimmy, uh, excuse me, James Olsen from Supergirl. Okay, I've been questioning a lot in my head as I'm uh, watching this thing, but I've got a big question now that's bugging me. They've established that whatever happened on this world didn't apply when they were on Supergirl's Earth. And 90s Flash said that Monitor is doing this to all the different Earths. So how in the hell do they explain bringing in Supergirl's sister in, in Olsen into this. That is, that's just flat out laziness on their part. Like, it doesn't make any sense. That's not my only gripe about this thing, but I'll get to that here in a bit. So anyways, they teach Cisco how to use his power over to, in, in vibe over to Supergirl's Earth, which they land in the Fortress of Solitude, where Superman and Lois are at. Okay, so they go back to Star Labs as Deegan Superman is about to attack Supergirl and her sister. We get a little in-air fight sequence of Superman versus Superman with a fun little bit where a bystander gasps as she sees the real Superman and recognizes him as Bizarro. Yeah, thought that was, that was kind of fun. Uh, so anyway, Supergirl gets the book back to Superman and he starts to get everything back to normal. Deegan Superman gets buried by the neck and Arrow comes in with a kryptonite arrow, but Barry tells him not to. Okay, so as... As neat as it was to see a kryptonite arrow, how would he even have one? Like, how does he even know what kryptonite is, that it affects Superman? 
okay, anyway. So, yada, yada, yada. Deegan gets the book back again. So, Flash's plan is for him and Supergirl to slow down time by running fast enough in opposite directions. Kind of like Superman 1, I guess? I don't know. Okay, so now we're just getting flashes of light going off as, as Deegan Superman is, is trying to rewrite the world yet again. Eric goes to see Monitor and tells him he's a pretty stupid god if the test is going to kill the best champions they have before the main threat actually gets there. Superman meets up with Deegan Superman with the book, and then Lois pops up somehow with Brainiac 5 and Martian Manhunter. Again, I don't know how this is affecting the other world that they can just pop in. Whatever, this thing's like going off the rails big time. Okay, so... Arrow shows up and lands an arrow at the book, which hits Deegan with all the light, which turns his face into a weird gray-looking alien something. I don't know. Not sure how Flash and Supergirl knew how to stop, but that's it for Elseworlds. They they save the day, they get the book back, everything's fine. Ugh, okay. So, we find out, this is like all like epilogues and aftermaths of, of the story here. Uh, we find out Lois is pregnant. Uh, we get a little bromance scene between Barry and Oliver. Oliver gets a call from Batwoman who says Deegan made a friend in Arkham as we see Psycho Pirate saying worlds will live, worlds will die, and the universe will never be the same. We end by getting a teaser tag at the end after that that says Crisis on Infinite Earths is coming fall of 2019. So they actually use this event as a lead-in for the next event, which I assume will be to unite the two main Earths that they use in the CW shows and to reboot anything that they want to at that time, really. Again, not to use the old Marvel comparison, but as a storyline structure, I can see where they got their motivation from. Okay, so some of my thoughts on this crossover event overall. Okay, so far, the good. There is some good that I, 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 I could find out of this. When it was just Barry and Oliver and Kara to even, to an extent when they were in Gotham, uh, the chemistry and humor between all of them were really good. There was it was some entertaining stuff, so I'll give them credit for that. Another one was the Smallville intro uh, when they uh, introduced Superman. That was fun. Another one was the fight scene with Amazo and all the heroes fighting them. So I thought that was it was a nice comic booky uh, action scene. I liked it. And Batwoman. I know it's really easy to knock it, but you know what? They really did nail the look of the costume. It looks about as straight from the comics as you're going to get. I was still apprehensive about her because all I saw going into it was some pictures. And I don't see what the big appeal is with Ruby Rose. She's not really great in the scenes as as uh, Kate Kane. But I I gotta say, I enjoy the Batwoman stuff. Her intro scene at Arkham, as she slams down on a van, uses a grappling gun and a battering on the on the criminals, it was really good enough for me. I, I you know, I, I dug what they were doing with the Batwoman and not Kate Kane, so if that makes any sense. I should also note that this served as a kind of a backdoor pilot for a Batwoman series, which makes sense since they introduced her, her characteristics, her city, and even introduced some villains. I'm assuming, like, uh, since they made a big deal about Nora Freeze. Um, I could see her being something. They mentioned Scarecrow and things like that. So you know what? Fine. You know, I'll, I'll watch the first, uh, at least the first episode. But I'm sure, like all the other CW shows, I get sick of all the social justice crap they like to include in all their shows. And the last thing in here was the Easter eggs and the humor. Um, I read an interview with uh, one of the producers of the shows, and he said that these crossovers are more for the hardcore comic book fans, so they get to have fun, including a, a bunch of nods from the source material. And the humor, like I said before, is they had a lot of like tongue-in-cheek, self-aware type stuff. Some of it worked, some of it didn't. But uh, anyway, it was it, overall it made it for more uh, entertainment purposes, I guess. Okay, uh, now for the bad. <clears throat> the story. Oh my god, the storyline just did not make any sense at all. So this dude gets a book to change reality, and it only affects Barry and Oliver. Like what the hell? Like I didn't. Does he even know them? Like, how would they even get involved? It made no sense, like, how this only affected them to... Whatever. Uh, The second time he gets to change stuff up, it appeared as though it turned the heroes and villains and vice versa. 
but again, it just felt like it affected these characters. I wanted to see like how it affected like overall the whole world and not just these characters. So that was that was that. And again, I, I said it before. How how was it able to bring in characters from other Earths? I, I, I don't understand that. Even if you wanted to accept it, how come Lois, Martian Manhunter, Brainiac weren't changed? You know, it was one thing that they even brought them in in the first place, but in this particular instance, shouldn't have shouldn't have all of them been evil now? Like, shouldn't it Lois and Martian Manhunter's Brainiac? They should have been villains now at some point. I don't know. This did not make any sense at all. Uh, just there was just a lot of just laziness like that that really annoyed me throughout this whole three part thing. And another thing was it just felt rushed. This could have easily uh, been a maybe eight to ten part series given you know given the time to let things breathe. As it was, everything was just rushed and it got wrapped up way too easily and lazy. Um, yeah, so that's that's my thoughts on the Elseworlds crossover event. Hopefully they go just balls out for Crisis on Infinite Earths and have it really be an event for the quote comic book fan. Now onto the last piece of business that I wanted to review, the DC Universe streaming app. So in 2018, DC announced that they would be debuting an online streaming service that would allow subscribers to watch a catalog of old DC shows and movies, as well as being able to read every comic book from Action Comics number one all the way to all the new Rebirth stuff that they've been working on. Also included with this service would be original content, including live action series. For all of this, you could pay an annual fee of $75 or a month-to-month option of around $8 a month. To get fans hyped up, they gave us a tease that the first original live series would be Titans. And then later on, we would get the long-awaited Season 3 of Young Justice. That right there had me hooked, just for Young Justice. However, I didn't want to immediately jump on right when the service got up and running, only because I figured there would be some uh, some bugs to work out on it. The first big hurdle for this thing uh, is, for me, it's got to at least be accessible. And by accessible, I mean it's got to be on at least one video game console, um, as that's what I normally use for all my streaming services like uh, Netflix, Hulu, Amazon, and even the uh, WWE uh, app also. I use it on my PS4, my Xbox, whatever, just when I want to use it on the big screen TV. I mean, you can have all the classic DC movies and cartoons, but if I have to watch it on my computer or my phone, I'm out. I'm done. So they gave us a list early on of where it would be available and they said it wouldn't be on any video game consoles right now but it would be on the Roku and the Amazon Fire Stick. I do have a Fire Stick so I figured it'd be okay. Well release day comes and it's not available on the Fire Stick. I checked back on their website for a list of devices and guess what's been magically erased? The Fire Stick. So again I said I'll wait and let them work all the bugs out. Cut to about three months later, and I see there's a few hiccups here and there, uh, but nothing major, though. Uh, Still no announcements of the Fire Stick or console access yet. In the meantime of all this, I did sign up for their um, email, mailing list, things like that, uh, just so I get the heads up on certain things. Um, I did get an email that they were having a pretty good discount uh, back for the... uh, uh, it was either Black Friday or Cyber Monday or uh, one of those where you can get the annual subscription for 60 instead of 75 So I went ahead and pulled the trigger on it. And, uh, you know, just I figured I'd worry about the viewing options later. Upon signing up for the service, I was already starting to get irritated. I knew about my options for viewing. Uh, however, uh, one option I haven't tried yet was to cast it from my from my phone to my TV. So I loaded up a video on my phone, tapped on the the cast button on the app, and it recognized my TV. Uh, so I tapped I tapped that you know for my TV and nothing. It uh, it just kept getting the I just kept getting the loading message on my phone that it was trying to load, and even on the TV screen it was saying it was loading like it was it just wouldn't go. I thought it was my TV, so I loaded up a different app and was able to successfully cast the video from there. So I look into the issue on the website, and it actually said uh, on the site that you could um, you can cast to a Chromecast device, but you may not be able to cast to a TV that Chromecast that is Chromecast capable. 
So yeah, I was I was pretty pissed by this point. Uh, to make it worse, I actually do have a Roku, but it crapped on me about a few months ago. So yeah, so much for that. However, to my surprise, I got an email about a day later from DC to let me know that the app is now on more devices, one of which is the Fire Stick. Sure enough, uh, I was now able to install it on on the Fire Stick. A few days later, I found out that that I was now able to also cast videos uh, to my TV as well. So all is good with that. Okay, so how is it? How's the app? Um, so far, I'm digging it. Uh, the the app on the Fire Stick runs smooth and has a simple layout to navigate. So if you're familiar with those other streaming apps like Netflix or you know stuff like you're probably familiar with the layout. Everything is broken down into the different categories. You got your feature items up on the top. Uh, you have movies, which do include live action and, and animated movies. Uh, you have your TV shows, animated series, uh, specials, and their comic books to read. So what about the content? That's the big thing. If I have one gripe about the content, it's that it's curated. And by curated, I mean that they rotate stuff out every month or so. Usually to coincide with some other event that's going on. For example, in December they had a bunch of Aquaman comics specials, uh, like the canceled Aquaman TV pilot, and the they brought in the uh, Throne of Atlantis animated flick. So far, they've had the original Superman films as well as the Burton and Schumacher uh, bat flicks, as well as a few animated films. Uh, for TV shows. They have a lot of the older series, like the classic George Reeves Superman series, uh, Wonder Woman, Superboy from the 80s, Flash from the 90s, Lois and Clark. So no Smallville or any of the current uh, CW shows, which from what I've read is actually due to current con uh, contractual obligations that they have to fulfill. Uh, I think Smallville is exclusive to Hulu for a few more years, but when that contract is up, I'm, I'm sure they'll just grab it back so they could throw it on the uh, on this app over here uh for cartoons they have the uh hd remastered uh batman animated series as well as the rest of the 90s series like batman beyond superman static shock and justice league there's also some older uh classic stuff like uh the max fleischer uh, superman series super friends and they've just added a bunch of uh the old um uh batman and the Superman series from Filmation. So that's pretty cool. For the specials, you know, they have specials uh, on Batman and Superman, obviously. But there is a, a really cool feature-length documentary called Secret Origin, the Story of DC Comics. If you've never seen it, I would absolutely recommend uh, checking that out before you watch anything else, as it is a fantastic look at how DC was created. Oh, also, uh, they actually put up a fun little uh, hidden gem that I've actually had myself on VHS for years. It's called The Legend of Superheroes. It's a live-action show from the 70s the, that actually has uh, Green Lantern, Black Canary, Hawkman, Flash, Captain Marvel, as well as bringing back Adam West and Burt Ward returning to their roles as Batman and Robin. So that was pretty cool. Uh, the first episode is them taking on villains like uh, Sinestro, Weather Wizard, Solomon Grundy and the Riddler, played again by uh, Frank Gresham. Uh, the second episode is really something different, as they they actually do a uh, roast of the superheroes, hosted by Ed McMahon. So really, uh, uh, <laughs> a sign of the times there. Uh, really good stuff. Uh, there's a lot of jokes that don't really hold up, but it's a fun treat, nevertheless. Then we get to the comics. These actually play just as it does if you've ever read digital comics on other apps, mainly like uh, Comixology. Comixology is like the main digital comic reading uh, app that's out there. If you haven't and don't even know what I'm talking about, let's just say that it's very it's a very well-made system for reading comics on your device. I read a few comics while using the Fire Stick on my TV, and even that flows pretty smooth. You can do it to where um, you see the full page at a time, and you just click over to the next page, or you can actually do like a, um, that's where I say where it kind of flows pretty good, where you can actually do not not the full page, but you can do panel by panel, 
and it kind of scrolls along like that. It's, it's actually pretty neat. So, okay, so I think I've danced around this uh, this thing long enough, but I think I'm, I'm ready to talk about it. Let's talk about Titans. Oh boy, where do I start? Can I give out spoilers? Yeah, this will probably contain spoilers, so uh, you've been warned now. <clears throat> the show started out with uh, a very controversial trailer that threw a lot of people off. You may have even seen it. It had uh, it showed Robin coming out and killing a bunch of thugs, and then utter the now infamous line "fuck Batman." Uh, <laughs> oh, and there was some other stuff in there too. But but yeah. yeah, fuck Batman is is pretty much what everyone took home from this, knowing full well that this ain't for kids. As if DC didn't already have the reputation for being quote too dark, uh, this show uh, takes that to a whole other level. So I've had time to watch all 11 episodes, and overall, I'd say I enjoyed it just enough to keep watching to see what happens next. What's what's the old analogy? It's it's like a it's a bad uh, car crash you can't stop from looking at. Uh, not to say that it was terrible. Well, I mean it, it kind of was, but for the same but for some reason I was I was compelled to just keep watching. Maybe it was because I'm invested in the characters. I, I really don't know. Uh, what I like about it. Um, well, uh, it was surprisingly accurate to the origins of the characters. I'll give it that. There were quite a few references and Easter eggs that I was able to get, but I'm sure there were a whole lot more that I actually did miss. We get some uh, surprise appearances by, spoiler alert, Jason Todd as Robin, uh, Donna Troy, uh, the Doom Patrol, and yes, even Batman. Uh, we even get a look inside the Batcave and, and, and a peek at the Batmobile in a couple of episodes, which is kind of cool. I think one of the best episodes was uh, episode 4, which introduced the Doom Patrol, which also served as a backdoor pilot to the upcoming Doom Patrol series, um, which I think is coming out in just uh, a week or two, actually. But everything else? Ugh. There's bad editing, bad pacing, bad dialogue... There was a terrible. There was a really bad blue filter that they had on every episode. That just drove me crazy watching it. I, I just wish they. Uh, it, I just wish they removed that filter off of the screen. Uh, just have like more natural light into it. Um, it felt really weird when the when the characters cussed. It felt forced, and just for shock value. Like, look at us. We're cool because we say fuck a lot. I mean, you could be TVMA and not have forced elements like that. I know this is a cliche to say, but look at Marvel. All the Netflix series that are well, were rated TVMA and dealt with the very mature subjects, but nothing felt forced or out of place. Oh, and then there was Starfire. Oh, what can I say that has been said before? All I can add is that I was hoping by the end of the season we would have gotten more proper, quote, comic book versions of Starfire, as well as Raven and Beast Boy 2, for that matter. Unfortunately, that doesn't really happen. At least we did get a few scenes of Starfire using her powers, which turned her orange and her hair to fire. Of course, they couldn't even get the color of her her fire powers right either. It was supposed to be green instead of actual fire color, but whatever. Anyways, uh, with all that said, I would hesitantly recommend checking out Titans. There's enough source material there to satisfy the comic book fans, and there's enough of everything else to please the casual viewers. Case in point, my wife actually liked it enough to keep watching it with me, surprisingly enough. The finale was decent enough, and there is a post credit scene that sets up Season 2. Can I tell you what it is? Spoiler in 3, 2, 1... Okay, so it's in a laboratory. We see a naked Superboy break out of a container at Cadmus, and uh, he frees Crypto. So, yeah, there that's Titans. Um, so I'm currently on uh, about the halfway point on the new season three of Young Justice, and it's, well, it's, it's not what I, I expected. I love, love, love the original two seasons of Young Justice. Now, on this one, there's still quality to the show, but story-wise, I feel it's just kind of all over the place, or just very fragmented. I don't know. They're still like halfway through the season, so maybe it'll all come together towards the end. I'm sure it will. I've got faith in these guys. 
but yeah, it's got a weird intro, a weird in credits, a weird cast of characters that I would not have expected. It's just, it's just weird. I mean, if you're a fan of The Outsiders, then you should get a kick out of it because this has basically been Nightwing and The Outsiders. Which I I, I gotta admit, um, I was kind of slow on the uptake on that uh, when it said Young Justice, then Outsiders as the uh, t- the little subtitle there. I wasn't even clicking originally that this was had to do with the the team Outsiders from the comics. I just thought it was like something else, but whatever. The, the point is, it's about the Outsiders. So if you're familiar with the team, then you'll enjoy it. Um, I mean, the good thing about it is it does have the original creative team behind it, uh, so I'll give it the benefit of the doubt that they know what they're doing. I mean, by the time this comes out, I believe Doom Patrol should be out. If not, maybe the week, maybe the week next. If it keeps the, uh, the the vibe that it had during Titans, I think it'll do good. You know, that's one of the reasons I decided to uh, dive into this thing. I found a release schedule uh, for the rest of 2019, and I noticed they were very smart on their original content releases. So they'll they'll do new episodes once a week, and when one show is finished, it's time for a new show to pick up. As soon as, so so for example, as soon as Titans ended, Young Justice started up. After the first half of Young Justice is up, Doom Patrol airs. After Doom Patrol, we get the second half of Young Justice, and then after that, we get uh, the live-action Swamp Thing, which I am definitely looking forward to, followed by a live-action Stargirl series, and finally the adult animated Harley Quinn series. I'm kind of surprised that one is last, since we already actually got a little trailer for it a few months ago. That one definitely has a Deadpool meta sense of humor, from from what I can tell, that little trailer, the little teaser they, they showed us. So, yeah, um... So is it worth it? Uh, I'll say for me, I think it is. There's plenty of original content uh, that's out and will be coming out. I've been popping in episodes of Batman in HD. I actually have the 89 Batman flick playing in the background on the app as I'm doing this episode right now, actually. I've already been able to read some comics uh, that I've never had a chance to read before. Yeah, I mean, there's stuff in there that I've seen a million times, like the Batman and Superman uh, films. You know, but if I ever got an itch to, to watch them, it, it saves me time to get the DVD, DVDs out. You know, I can just, you know, turn on the app. So, they also do have some extra stuff, like putting out a Young Justice Enhanced season, where they have the creators and voice actors do some commentaries during the episodes. So, if you're a fan of DC, I would say at least give it a shot uh, with a month subscription. See if you like it. Or just keep waiting for some more of the original stuff to come out and then give it a month or two and binge the hell out of everything. You know what? Look, I'm right here on the app. Let me, uh, while I'm doing this here, let me just go in the app right now and I'll, sh- let me, let me tell you what's, what they have on their content right now. So if we go into movies and TV, let's see. So for uh, TV series, obviously Titans. Uh, they have Constantine, Lois and Clark, Flash, Wonder Woman, Birds of Prey, Adventures of Superboy, the Superman serials uh, before the George Reeves stuff, and then Adventures of Superman with uh, George Reeves. Uh, there's also a Human Target, which was a Fox uh, series. I think that was a Vertigo title, I think. Uh, let me see. Now for movies, newest of the animated ones, it's already out, Reign of the Superman. I think this. I think it dropped on this first before it came out on the... DVD, but yeah, Reign of the Superman, uh, Death of Superman that came out right before that, and then just a ton, of, if not, it's not all of them, but it's a crap ton of the animated movies, even the ones that the lesser known ones, like Superman Unbound, Superman vs. the Elite, the Dark Knight Returns animated ones, uh, All-Star Superman, Assault on Arkham, uh, then you have the older ones like the Superman Batman Public Enemies, Apocalypse, and then you have all the New 52 stuff, like the Flashpoint Paradox, War, Throne of Atlantis, the Superman Shazam, The Return of Black Adam, Son of Batman, Batman vs. Robin, Wonder Woman. Uh, you have some newer stuff like Batman Ninja, which, ugh, it's, it's crazy. Um, Batman, uh, The Gotham by Gaslight, which is really good. That came out last year. I do recommend that one. And then the classics. I mean, you got Mask of the Phantasms on there. You got uh, Batman Beyond, Return of the Joker. And then you have the original 
DC animated movie, the Doomsday, Superman Doomsday one. So what do we got here under, let's see, animated series? Of course, Young Justice. We have, they just added the, the Batman series. They had the new adventure, uh, new Batman adventures, uh, which is basically what Batman animated series, what, season three, I think. That CGI, they also had the CGI Green Lantern series. Uh, Teen Titans, Super Friends is on there, Justice League, Justice League Unlimited, Batman Beyond, I think I mentioned all these before, Superman, the animated series from the 90s, uh, some newer stuff like uh, Batman Brave and the Bold, um, the Filmation series, uh, let's see, Legion of Superheroes, yeah, so quite a bit of stuff on here, uh, see, specials, I think I went through all those, they're the really good ones, they have some other stuff in their special section. But uh, the ones I pointed out earlier were the main the main points for me. Uh, let's see. I don't know if y'all remember, but they did, uh, I think it was on their website or on Cartoon Network or something, but they did a whole bunch of, uh, they did a whole series of little shorts. It was like little five-minute episodes that would air in between other shows. They have like a lot of those. Um, and the reason I'm pointing that out is because there is a series of uh, Batman ones, which they did a, a Batman Beyond one, which is really cool. Um, so... Definitely uh, check that out if you're in there. For the comics, just recently, very recently, they just added in a bunch of the Rebirth titles that came out uh, a couple years ago. All the way, and they're not like every single issue of every single comic, but they do have a, a good selection of individual issues from just about all the series. Actually, just a couple days ago, I got done binge reading uh, the Action Comics from Rebirth. Before that, I was getting caught up on the New 52 Aquaman series, which I've been holding off on for way too long. So, yeah, if you're, like I said, man, if you're a fan of DC, uh, the comics, the cartoons, uh, the movies, yeah, I'd at least give it a shot. So there you have it, folks. Those are my thoughts on the uh, DC Universe app. I hope you enjoyed hearing me blabber on about all the DC stuff. And if you have, then please give me a rate and review on iTunes. If you have any other suggestions for other stuff you want uh, you want us to talk about on future episodes, uh, just drop us a line over on social media at facebook.com slash popculturerewind. If you have Instagram, I'm always dropping pics on Instagram, so look me up over there. So thanks again for listening, and always remember to pop your culture. Mystery is trying to tell you about
Oh yeah, I almost forgot. Uh, I know Chris wanted me to talk about this. So the the finale of Titans, it featured the whole thing was based around uh, Robin, Dick Grayson versus Batman. Um, so basically, in nutshell, again spoilers. Um, it's basically uh, in his mind, I guess it's a vision or something. It's um, Raven's dad, uh, what's his name, Trigon? I think that's his name. Um, he was putting these images in, in uh, Grayson's head that uh, Batman's gone crazy. He's gone. He's gone rogue, pretty much. Um, we see scenes of dead villains, like Batman's. He's he goes back to Gotham, and Batman is he's gone crazy, and he's killed. You see, um, like their arms hanging out of like. Uh, the gurneys and stuff like the Joker and Riddler, things like that. You see them, their dead bodies pretty much. No, I'm sorry. Joker was actually uh, thrown off a building or something. He was smashed into the top of a car. So we saw, we saw a dead Joker. Um, but then we see, you know, the uh, the PD and Gordon, all them going after uh, Batman. Um, and he's basically, Batman's killing cops like, crazy like left and right there's dead bodies everywhere so um yeah so he gets there and they have their fight and when i say batman's in there we do it's like we get glimpses of batman it's like you'll you see him like jump out a window you'll see the cape and everything fall down you'll see his arms and legs kicking around and stuff like that uh but there's no like speaking roles or anything you don't i don't even think you see his face but you see a good chunk of Batman just without the face. Uh, but again, you do have like the Batcave and you have the Batmobile sort of in the background there. So um, it's interesting. It was an interesting thing. My my only complaint about that episode was knowing that it was a, just a vision. It was like a hallucinogen or something, and it just it kind of took me out of the moment, out of the out of the episode. And it took too long to get to that. Like, cause this whole hallucination thing that that uh, Grayson's going through, it's like a big setup. Like he's he's got a he's got a family and this and that, and then Jason Todd comes back and tells him what's going on with Batman, and then he tries to it it it, it drags out. It's like more than halfway through the episode before we we finally get to that stuff that everybody wanted to see that they were teasing on the trailer. So uh, anyway, uh, Chris, I hope you enjoyed that. That was uh, just for you. Uh, my recap of the finale. My thoughts on some of the stuff that happened in that finale of uh, of uh, Titans. That was wonderful. Bravo. I loved that. Oh, it was great. Well, it was pretty good. Well, it wasn't bad. Well, there were parts of it that weren't very good, yeah, though. It could have been a lot better. I didn't really like it. It was pretty terrible. It was bad. It was awful. It was terrible. Get him away. Hey, boo. Boo.